Before we get started with this week's episode, a bit of an ad read. Later this week on the In The Money Network, PTF will be hosting a special Preakness preview show sponsored by Sportblocks. Sportblocks, you may be familiar with SportBLX. It's actually pronounced Sportblocks. Stephen Chris and Naomi Tucker will be joining PTF to talk all about this year's Preakness Stakes, which will be run on Saturday afternoon, the final leg of this very bizarre 2020 Triple Crown campaign. Uh, Joe DiPirio of Sportblocks will also be joining PTF. They will be discussing some new and exciting offerings from Sportblocks. If you are interested in learning more, head on over to sportblx.com. That is sportblx.com. Sportblocks. Go check it out. Now, on to episode 34. What's going on? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. This is episode 34 for Monday, September the 28th, 2020. However you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. So many ways to find this podcast if you're an audio-only listener, whether it's Apple Podcasts or basically however you get your podcasts, uh, the InTheMoneyPodcast.com website. That's a spot where you can find anything and everything that In The Money Media has to offer. Again, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can find this show as well. If you're folks uh, who listen and watch on YouTube, all you need to do, search Matt Bernier Show in that search bar over on YouTube, and it'll bring you to this episode as well as the 33 prior episodes of this show uh, this week I, I know I've said it before but I genuinely mean it gotta keep this thing tight I have to go get a COVID test because I am off to Lexington Kentucky on Thursday headed to Keeneland so let's get into some of the housekeeping bits first uh, off to Keeneland on Thursday Friday uh, NBCSN I TBD on the time that'll be opening day down at Keeneland we'll have some Breeders Cup winning your in action uh, NBC in conjunction with TVG Saturday is the Preakness Stakes. You can find that coverage over on NBC. Uh, I will be making an appearance from Keeneland on the Preakness broadcast. Sunday, we'll have more live racing from Keeneland. Uh, NBCSN, I would imagine, uh, but don't quote me on that. One of the two, NBCSN or NBC. And I think TVG is showing it as well. So you can find it out there. Uh, Nothing Monday, Tuesday, other than this podcast. Now, this show on Monday will be audio only. If you are someone who listens on YouTube or watches on YouTube, don't worry, it'll still be up there, but you're just going to get the slate. You're just going to get that. You won't have any sort of visuals or anything like that just because I'll be in a hotel room and I don't trust the Wi-Fi trying to upload a video file. So it'll be audio only, but you can still find it on YouTube. I'll tweet it out as well. Don't worry, it'll be there. Uh, Tuesday will be a dark day, and then Wednesday, more live racing from Keeneland, NBCSN, and TVG as well, and then I will be back headed home next Thursday. So... That's a little bit of what to expect going forward over the next handful of days. Let's call it week, week and a half uh, as far as this show and some other programming is concerned. Uh, you heard at the top of the show that PTF will have that special Preakness preview show coming up this week. You can find that over on InTheMoneyPodcast.com as well as anywhere else we listen to these things. Um, as far as this week's show is concerned, wanting to keep it tight, uh, the Friday feature, let's start off with that. Um, there were about a million of you who uh, correctly identified the winner of the Eddie D last week. Good on you. Claps for everyone. Round of applause. Um, I reached out to the person who won the random draw. That was uh, Joe Salito. Uh, and when I say I reached out, I left the comment beneath his winning selection. Uh, it didn't work out uh, where I didn't hear back from him. So I'm gonna we're going to do it this way. Since there won't be one next week either, 
let's plan on the following Monday. So that will be, if I'm getting ahead of myself, let me pull up the calendar. Not the 5th of Monday, but that will be the, tw oh, maybe it won't be the 12th, because is that Columbus Day? Uh, let's see. Just to make sure. So it is Monday the 12th. So that may actually end up being a Tuesday show. All right, let's plan on that. Tuesday, Tuesday of that week. Tuesday, October the 13th. If we can get Joe Salito, if you're listening to this uh, or you, you see it, uh, shoot me an email at the piece listed below. Uh, I also want to have one other person on for that week. So that Tuesday show, if we can make it happen. And I know there were, again, there were a million of you that correctly identified the winner. But there's been one person who has been in incredibly unlucky as far as the random draw is concerned. And he's picked multiple winners in the past. Uh, I've had a chance to chat with him in the past out in California. I think he's a really sharp kid. Uh, Andrew Wright, uh, if you're listening to this, I can reach out to you at some point as well, but I'd like to have those two folks on. Let's plan on that being Tuesday, October the 13th. That'll be the next time we record a Friday feature. It'll probably be some sort of racing from Keeneland, but uh, we'll get to that in time. So those two folks, Joe Salito and Andrew Wright, hoping to have you guys on Tuesday, the 13th of October, and we can go from there. Uh, and then there'll be another weird piece coming up in the that following week. It's my anniversary. So there's all sorts of different stuff going on. And then we're coming up on the Breeders' Cup. But point being, October 13th, I want to try to get both Joe Salito, make sure I'm saying it right, Joe Salito and Andrew Wright. Both of you, I'll try to touch base with both of you, uh, and we'll, we'll try to get something set up. So, long-winded way of saying there won't be a Friday feature this week, but the Preakness has just been drawn. So I'll do a very, very quick sort of discussion on some of the horses that without PPs, but just knowing running styles and things like that, what some of these horses I may or may not be interested in. Uh, I want to go back and look at all of the Breeders' Cup winning you're in races. And I say all of them. Uh, the big ones from Santa Anita and the Vosberg from Belmont Park on Saturday. Give you a little bit of a rundown of those. Uh, whether you agree, disagree, let me know in the comment section beneath the video player uh, or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. And uh, we'll also wrap up a little bit of uh, NFL football here because my, my action is still alive. Last week, I, I said the, the Ravens-Chiefs game was going to be on Sunday night. Idiot. Nope, Monday night. So I still have some loose action out there waiting to see what happens. But we'll, I'll probably just do those in real time, take a look at the lines and what's what's out there headed into next week. Because at first glance, I didn't really love anything, but maybe I'll talk myself into something. I'm also working on... And this will probably be a good, this might be a good piece. Well, no, it's going to be more of a visual thing. I don't know. Maybe I'll do it next week. Maybe it'll be one of these weeks down the road. I've really started to go back from the 2015 fall meeting at Keeneland and charting the track profile. And it's something I, I well, first I want to hear, I mean, is that of any interest to anyone out there? I'm already planning my, my Breeders' Cup homework. I'm doing it. I want to be ready to roll. And, and I can't say it enough. Don't be doing your homework two nights before the Breeders' Cup. You, you might be able to do that on, on a normal Saturday where there's, you know, one or two big stakes races. You, you can't possibly. There's too many. There's too much racing, too many good horses, too much tape, too many invaders from Europe or wherever else to try to find the tape and go back and do X, Y, and Z. There's just way too much work to do if you're going to wait until Thursday night leading into Breeders' Cup Friday. There's just too much to do. I would strongly encourage you to start doing your work now. 
I've started doing it as far as the track profile is concerned. I have uh, the 2015 meet right through Breeders' Cup Saturday done, um, but I plan on having done anyway before I end up sharing anything with anybody, uh, 16, 17, 18, and 19, the fall meetings, to see if there is any sort of discrepancies between them uh, or if they all sort of line up pretty well and, and things of that nature. So uh, if that's something uh, you folks would be curious and interested in hearing about, I can share that, whether it be next Monday or one of the Mondays coming, or one of the shows coming anyway, uh, or I can just keep that to myself and use that for my own good. But uh, anyway, that's what's on deck for this week. So let's start off again with a very brief, and I mean very brief, overview of the Preakness, simply because there's no PPs out just yet. They've just drawn the race uh, just about an hour ago here on East Coast time on Monday afternoon. Again, it's pretty obvious. Mile and three sixteenths down there at Pimlico. It's a big full field. I mean, I think that's a, a positive. 11 horses. You can make an argument. It's actually the best race of the three Triple Crown races, which I could not have been more wrong about. I thought earlier this year, I said the Preakness is going to get screwed. Because who's, unless there's a Triple Crown on the line, who's going to want to run in that race? If you have a horse good enough to run in the Breeders' Cup just, you know, three or four weeks later, well, come to find out whether it be because of defections or maybe you don't want to take on certain other horses who happen to be older than you, whatever the case may be, you got 11 signed on for this race, and it's a pretty good group. Uh, your morning line favorite is the Kentucky Derby winner, Authentic. Johnny V retains the mount, 9-5 to five on the morning line. Uh, I have no real knocks against him. I thought he earned that race down in Louisville. I thought he won the Derby pretty pretty impressively in the grand scheme of things. And, and say what you will about Tis the Law. You know, oh, maybe it was the track. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. Whatever. The point is, he didn't, he didn't beat him. He didn't win. Uh, Authentic beat him on the square. And I think he's a logical player in here. The only thing I would throw out as a bit of a caveat is, I think there's a fair amount of speed in here. Again, I'm just looking at the names at face value. Art Collector's not going to be that far off of it. I don't know that he's going to be dueling on the front, but I think he's going to be reasonably close. Swiss Skydiver is another one who, very similar to Art Collector, I don't know if you're going to be winging it on the front end, but I think she's going to be pretty close to the front end. I can't imagine if they were going to ship here why you wouldn't use her speed. Jesus's team is far from a horse who is sort of like a need-to-lead type. He's actually a horse who can come from a little bit farther off of it, but I think he's probably slightly better when he has a more forward run. Uh, Thousand Words... His best gear to me is when he's forwardly placed. New York traffic, I don't know. Do with him what you will. Um, if he's forward, maybe he's interesting, but I think that compromises his chances. I think his best chances to win a race like this or hit the board is to run similar to the way he did in the Haskell, where you sit a few lengths off and you try to come with that run as opposed to getting up there and getting dirty early on. Max Player is a one-run closer. Pneumatic just feels like the wise guy horse in here at 20-1 to 1 on the line. He'll be a fraction of that when it's all said and done. He'll probably be... I'm going to... I mean, there's enough other names in here. I'm going to say Pneumatic from the 20-1 to 1 morning line, assuming all 11 runners go. I'm going to say he goes off at 8-1. to 1. That is my projection and my prediction right now. Um... But he's another horse who I've, I've said it before. I feel like he is better when he's allowed to sit off of it a little bit. So he's not, maybe this race isn't littered with speed balls, but there is enough speed early on that I think perhaps it could set up for someone if you're if you're a fan of a max player or you're a fan of an accession or a horse who's just going to come from way out of it, Mr. Big News. I look at this race and more and more time goes by. Again, this is without PPs, but you know these horses pretty well. Maybe the draw is not ideal. 
Well, let me start off with sort of who I don't intend on picking. And I reserve the right to change my opinion. I don't know if I'm going to have to make a pick on Saturday or not, uh, or if I'm just doing stuff from Keeneland and just kind of updating folks. But authentic, I, I just don't want to bet the favorite here in a spot like this. He's going to get bet down from that 9-5, to five, I'd imagine. He's probably closer to 6-5 to five when it's all said and done. Maybe he's just loose on the lead and when I do a little bit of a deeper dive and you see the PPs. But I kind of feel like last time was the time from an odd standpoint. You know, if you really liked him, you got you got eight to one last time as the controlling speed. Now you're going to get you know maybe a tenth of that. I look at well, maybe not a tenth, maybe an eighth of it, whatever you want to say. You get what I'm get my point. Thousand words. I've never been a fan of. Uh, I will ride that train until I'm proven wrong. I just don't think he's that good. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Swiss skydiver. I see no reason you could make the argument that this field is more talented than the one she ran against in the Kentucky Oaks. And I, I know some people think that the ride was the difference. She had every opportunity to go by. She dares the devil and she couldn't do it. I have no reason to believe she's going to do it here on Saturday. Uh, she is the one horse that I will adamantly say I, I want no part of her. Uh, I think she's very good, but I just, I don't see any real upside with her here. She needs to continue to run. This run of form that she's been on has been really remarkable. I mean, it's 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 something to be. There's something to be said about staying this good for this long without any kind of a break. But having said that, I don't know that there is much more upside there. I think you need to, if you're a fan of Swiss Skydiver and you're trying to draw up a, a rationale for her to to beat the boys, it's that the race took something out of Authentic. He's not going to have enough gas in the tank. Art Collector's not ready to go off this layoff. A uh, little bit of a, you know, an ouchy sort of uh, piece where he couldn't run in the Derby. Uh, I, I, a thousand words, you're going to need to hope that he's not as good as his last run, his last number would suggest. And I just, if any of these boys take another step forward, I don't, I don't see that in her back pocket. Maybe I'll be wrong. Who knows? But she's the one horse in this race. Well, there's two. Her and thousand words. I want no part of either of them. Three horses. New York traffic. I don't want him either. Uh, four, Max Player. I don't want him either. Realistically, uh, Live Your Beast Life, probably not. Uh, Mr. Big News, don't know. I, he's going to be that one, I feel like, that everybody saw that giant move last time out. And it was more of a, you know, I don't want to call it a premature move. But he flattened out at the end of the run. I've seen this story before. I don't want him. Accession, I don't want him. I mean, I'm narrowing it down pretty quick. I, I like Jesus's team as a horse. I don't know if this is the spot for him. Uh, I, I really do genuinely like Pneumatic. He's going to be the wise guy horse. Don't want him. So what does that leave me? Uh, basically, it leaves me the favorites. Authentic or Art Collector. And to me, I just the only horse I want in here is Art Collector. Uh, I think you can make a case that based on the way that race was run in Louisville, he would have at least been in with a chance. He would have been right there with Tis the Law and Authentic. I don't know if he would have been able to beat Authentic, but I, I think Art Collector is genuinely a good horse. I'll be fascinated to see what we get here. And the other piece that I, I keep going back to, especially with a horse like him, he absolutely needs a big run here. Not just to prove if he needs to prove anything. I mean, I thought his bluegrass was really, really strong, despite his little, you know, whatever. But he, given the time off, he needs a big race or a strong race, a good fitner, a tightener, to have him ready to go in four weeks' time or five weeks' time for the Breeders' Cup Classic. So I'm expecting a big big run from him. I'll be very disappointed if he doesn't fire. 
Frankly, I'd probably be a little bit disappointed if he doesn't win. If Authentic wires him, so be it. You know, I'll tip my cap. But I think Art Collector is, I like him. I want to see what the PPs look like. But as of this moment right now, he's probably where I'm going to end up going. Let me know beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt if you agree or disagree. Now, we're going to pivot into looking back at this past Saturday. A ton of big racing out at Santa Anita and Belmont Park as well. Uh, ramifications all over the place on a number of different races on Breeders' Cup weekend. Let's take a look back at the sort of final preps, if you will, from Belmont and from Santa Anita last Saturday. Let's go back to Saturday at Santa Anita. I'm going to start toward the beginning of the card and go right through it, and then we will sort of wrap things up out on the East Coast, or back on the East Coast, I should say, with the Vosburg with Forensic Fire. Let's start off with the two-year-old fillies and the chandelier. I saw a number of, of comments on uh, social media about the speed figure, the buyer speed figure specifically awarded to Princess Noor in her outstanding victory in the grade two chandelier. There, there are, there's so much to unpack, in my opinion, with, with this race here, okay? Specifically when it comes to the numbers. The buyer speed figure, for those of you that don't know, uh, was a 78 for Princess Noor. And there were many folks who looked at it and said, she never got out of first gear. That number is considerably higher. There's, there's two pieces to this. While she may have had the ability to run faster... She didn't run faster. Therefore, the buyer speed figure, which is calculated on final time, it's hard to argue that, especially on a day where you have other races at the similar level at the same distance to use, to work off of. So these two-year-old fillies ran an eight and a half furlong race. The two-year-old boys ran an eight and a half furlong race just a short while later. And based on the numbers... Seems like it all checks out. There is, it, it, it's one of those things where you you can't just say, oh well, she could have run a ninety, so we got to give her a ninety. No, that doesn't that doesn't jive. That's not how the speed figures work. That's for you as the handicapper to try to project going forward. That's not the business of the figure makers. The figure makers' job is to make accurate speed figures or as accurate as they possibly can. And based on the time, the 78 seems like it checks out. And now, just for ha-has, I went and took a look at the Timeform US ratings. Uh, Princess Nora earned a raw 95, which, again, if you want to use the 20-point sort of differential, that more or less checks out. If, and, in fact, it's actually slower than what the buyer associates would have awarded a horse like Princess Nora. I have no issue at all with the number. I also can look at the, the way she ran and say, I think there's a lot of ability here. I think there's plenty of talent. And could she perhaps have run faster? Well, you don't really know. I think it's a dangerous piece. And I mean, we can go back to, because so many people have, have used sort of the, the she dares the devil narrative. Could she have run faster? Until the Oaks, she hadn't. But visually, it looked like she could have. With this girl here, to date, she has she's run relatively fine. Uh, I don't want to say fast, but she's run she hasn't run slow. Put it that way. 79 and two starts back, 78 in this run here from a buyer standpoint. I think she's run just fine. And visually, she's been awesome. So she checks the two-turn box. She checks the connections box. Pedigree-wise, she checks the box. I mean, there's, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot of reasoning for her to perhaps go into the juvenile fillies 
as one of, if not the horses to beat, even if she is a little bit light on speed figures. And again, the visual piece is more in the eye of the handicapper. If you think that means that there was more in the tank, have at it because there's a chance that you actually get rewarded for your opinion based on that because on paper, she won't be as fast as some of the other horses. You following me? So that to me, the figure's the figure. If your eye is telling you that there's more there, use that to your advantage. That that can that that's a separator. That's something that maybe you look at as opposed to some other folks. That's information or an ability or a belief that you have that maybe some other folks don't. So if if you're questioning the fig and saying it should have been faster, wrong one. But two, does it mean that she couldn't run faster? That's for you to decide. But the figure, I think the figure is spot on. 78 for Princess Nora. I have no knocks about the run. Thought she looked great throughout. Never looked like a loser at any point. I think she is a player when we get to Keeneland here in about four weeks' time. Now let's move on to the next stakes race. Graded stakes, anyway. The Rodeo Drive. Mile and a quarter on turf. I liked Mucho Unusual going in. Obviously, the defection of Bodicita uh, changed it a little bit because she would have been the horse to beat. Lady Prance a lot inherits favoritism. Uh, this, I, It was like we had carbon copies as far as the two turf races are concerned. You, you let quality horses walk out there on the front end. You're not going to run them down. I thought we were watching New York for a minute. I mean, mucho unusual credit to Juan Hernandez. Out there, just sets a very moderate tempo, 49 and a half for, for the, or excuse me, 49.2 for the half mile. Uh, she had plenty left in the tank when they turned for home. So maximum rate, she kicked. Lady Prance a lot, she kicked. But boy, when you give a horse who, and it's what I said with PTF when we spoke about this race in, uh, in the uh, happy hour, horse player happy hour last week. I said, if, if I have a horse who has the, the finishing ability or something very close to that of the closers and you're going to get a head start on them, give me that proposition every time because it's going to be very difficult for those deep closers to run you down. It's why I've, I've talked about sort of, and I use these two specifically as the example time and time again, Teppin and Wise Dan. The thing that made Teppin and Wise Dan so dangerous was they had the ability, they had the speed to stay close to the pace throughout, even when they were swift fractions, but they also had a potent kick. It may not have been as potent as the deep closer, but the difference is, let's say it's two lengths slower. When I have a five-length head start, it doesn't make a difference. You're not going to run me down. The difference is most of the time you see these horses that are forwardly placed, they don't have that much left in the tank at the end of the run. And that's why you see them usually drop anchor and those closers come from the back. But when you get horses, and in this instance, I'm not comparing Mucho Unusual or United, and we'll get to that race in a moment, to Wise Dan or Teppin. But the the point still remains that if you have a horse who has the ability to finish and they have the ability to sit close to the front, again, I don't care if they're three lengths slower down the lane as far as their come home time. If they have a six length head start, it doesn't make a difference. That deep closer, while it's the sexy run that looks awesome, you know, everybody loves to see a deep closer really kick it in, level off, and cook down the lane. Well, the problem is if you run into a horse who can kick with you or comparably, and they've got a giant head start, you're not going to run them down. You're just not. So, mucho unusual. Good for her. Uh, it worked out lovely for me. I couldn't have drawn it up any better. On the backside, I go, this is great. Because I know she's going to finish. I know she's got some kick. And these other horses, they're going to have way too much work to do. Doesn't mean that it'll be like this in the Breeders' Cup. But I thought, all in all, good effort from Mucho Unusual.
Let's move on to the boys race. American Pharaoh. This is an interesting spot because I, I said it to PTF. I, you know, I didn't have a strong opinion in this race. I thought Wasperant was was a little intriguing. Blinkers going on. He was wide throughout, but you know, he just he found this a little bit too tough early. He's one maybe you want to take a, a long play on as opposed to, you know, looking at him in the short term. I said, you know, Spielberg, I guess, is the right answer. You know, speed, Baffert, two turns, da 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 uh, I, I was unsure and, and frankly, probably anti the the turf horse is going to the dirt. Maybe they were just trying it, despite the fact that there was a little bit of pedigree there for, I, for each of them. Get her number wins, but does so with what I think is sort of the, the ideal Santa Anita kind of trip going two turns on dirt where you can sit just off of a target. You can take over. And with the way that track typically plays going two turns, it's going to be very difficult for somebody to rally from the back of the pack to run you down unless they are just far superior given that truck track profile. Uh, get her number nearly got run down by the horse that I personally, I I didn't expect this. And I, I didn't really expect to be blown away by anybody coming out of this race. I'm most interested in Rombauer. I don't know about for the juvenile, but going forward, I think this Rombauer is interesting because of the run that he made at a track like Santa Anita. That's not a move that typically works, especially for a two-year-old. Now, he's all turf on the bottom. He's, this is the family of Cambio Corsa and California Flag, but he's twirling candy on top. Those, those horses can seemingly run on anything, just like he could. I think this Rombauer is interesting for Michael McCarthy. The problem I have is, I mean, he's a deep closer in Southern California. That's not, I, I've seen this story before. It doesn't work. So unless he ends up with an out-of-town campaign as a three-year-old, and like I said, I don't know if I'm interested for the Breeders' Cup. Maybe I am. I have no idea yet. It's way too early, especially with the two-year-old races. But... I thought this was a hell of an effort from this horse, given the way this track typically plays. I'm concerned if he's going to be campaign there, you know, if we're thinking way down the road, if you're thinking of run to the Kentucky Derby next year, when in theory everything is back to, you know, normal. That running style is not going to work long-term in Southern California. It's not. Now, unless he's got some speed that he can find early on or whatever the case may be, but I thought he was professional I thought he his rally and the, the fractionals that he put in I, were really impressive to me. Twenty four thirty one for the opening quarter, which by no means is, by no means is slow, but in Southern California, very, you know, pedestrian. Uh, twenty three forty six for the second, twenty four ninety for the third, and then his final five sixteenths was in thirty two thirty eight. That was the fastest in the race, uh, slightly faster than get her number, but again, given that Rombauer really needed to crank things up for those internal two quarters. I thought this was a giant effort from this horse, and he carried a ton of ground. I think he's really, really fascinating going forward. Uh, Timeform US, for what it's worth, uh, awarded this race from a uh, rating standpoint, a 102 to the winner and a 101 raw numbers. Uh, so those translate to about an 82 and an 81, and I believe that's spot on with what the buy, uh, 84 and 82 from the buyer team. So I think the numbers check out. Of the top two, I am much more interested in Rombauer than I am Get Her Number. And that's not to say I don't think Get Her Number can be effective. Again, that tactical speed goes a long way. But Rombauer, really, really fascinated by this effort. 
I just I'm really concerned that if he's going to be a Southern California type, he's he's going to get screwed over more often than not simply because that's not a that's not a running style conducive to success on the dirt going two turns in Southern California. It's just not. Nobody can can tell me otherwise. Um, but I think there is talent there. I was I was impressed with this effort. I think Michael McCarthy's got a good one on his hands. Uh, let's move on. And again, I don't want to take a short shrift to the winner. The winner went out there and earned it. Um, but I'm, I'm more intrigued with the runner-up than I am the winner from the American Pharaoh. Uh, the John Henry Turf Championship, uh, basically a carbon copy of what I was talking about with the Rodeo Drive. If you give a horse like United the ability to get out there and just waltz on the front end, and he's going to be able to kick down the lane with as good or comparable finishing ability to the deep closers, but he starts three lengths in front of you, or four lengths in front of you, you're not going to run them down. You're just not. Uh, if we're looking at it from a, based on t- uh, the DRF Formulator product, you take a look at the final, the come home times. I'm a big proponent of looking, especially, you need to be able to finish in turf racing, period. End of story. Final quarter mile for United after setting, after just basically clipping off 24 and a halfs for the opening two, three quarters of the race. Gets his final quarter mile in 22.71. Originaire, who is a confirmed deep run, uh, one-run closer, he comes home in 22.69. So he comes home effectively in the same, the same mold, the same time. Okay, you can't run him down. You're not going to when you both finish the same way. I'll say the same thing for this horse, another mystery, who was 60 to one. He finished in 22.55. He was actually probably the deepest of them all, right? Uh no. Okay, he was in fifth early on. And again, I know it was a bit of a more condensed field, but the point is, when you all are trying to run down the horse who is finishing just as fast as you are, it's not going to happen. You're not going to do it. So that's something to keep in mind when you're handicapping races. If there's a horse who has a big finish and is going to be forwardly placed and is going to get the jump on some deep closer that you love, at least think twice or at least look at it again and say, okay, is this pace going to hold up because if it does my horse can have a really hard time running down the leaders or conversely does it look like it's gonna be a barbecue up front and if that's the case great then my deep closer is going to mow them all down but given pace situations and the way we've seen here in the united states recently where it just feels like no one wants to go some just think about that when you're handicapping turf racing turf routes specifically going forward now let's move on to the one that i'm sure i gotta take i gotta need some water for this Grade one, awesome again. I'm now I am saying this kind of in a in a I don't want to say trollish manner, but I I would love to know what the excuse for maximum security was in this race, because when I watched it live, and I go back and watch the tape, there's nothing. Uh, this was. As ugly a 101 buyer speed figure performance as I can remember. And I, everyone says, you know, he's got the will to win. I agree. He wants to beat you. The problem is when you run into a far superior horse, that doesn't mean anything. I can want to beat, you know, I can want to beat Tiger Woods, but on ability, it's a no contest. And I, and maybe that's an unfair comparison between maximum security and improbable. They're not nearly that far apart as that comparison I just made. But the point is, the the run in that most recent start, 
the Pacific Classic. He had that was my big piece, and and so many of you, and I love the commenters, but so many of you were saying you're hating on the horse. What else does he need to do? All he does is show up and win. And all I was saying was he had the thing gift wrapped to him. He's gonna have to work a hell of a lot harder against better horses to win a Grade One on the sort of let's call it a Breeders' Cup stage. So here we are on Saturday. It's a short field. Really on paper, there's one horse he's got to run with that he needs to beat. And not only could he not do it, he got his doors blown off. And not only did he get his doors blown off, he's on his left lead for the entirety of the stretch the first time by. Red flag. Down the backside, he starts getting pushed on by Luis Saez. Not terribly surprising, simply because this that's what maximum security has always been. He is far from the most impressive horse visually. He's just never been the horse that blows your socks off. Turning for home, he's in between horses. It looks like he might run fifth in a field of five. He finds, and again, that's that gutsiness, that grittiness, that you have to, you have to have some feeling of like, you know what, I give this, if nothing else, he's got the heart. He wants to go and beat you. But that only goes so far. He's extremely late to change leads down the lane, and he barely hangs on for third to midcourt, who, again, he was head and head with in the San Diego, and everybody wanted to say it was because he was coming off of a lengthy layoff. Perhaps you were right, but midcourt is not a Breeders' Cup Classic type of horse. You saw a Breeders' Cup Classic type of horse in Improbable, who, if you want to say the fractions worked out to his advantage, I don't even know what time form has awarded as far as the fractionals are concerned. So they say that the the sort of the three-quarter to the mile piece, they were both red, meaning that the race heated up in that fraction, basically rounding the far turn. Fine. If that's what you want to say, and you want to upgrade maximum security because of that, and that's what Timeform US has done. They With the pace, they gave him a 127, which is the same as improbable. Th- to me, that doesn't... I don't care. Improbable, yes. He had the pace theoretically work out to his advantage in front of him. At no point did he look like a loser. At no point. He did that at Santa Anita, again, with a track that that... The running style that Max and Midcourt and Take the 101 and Sleepy Eyes Todd, that track profile is going to help them even with fast fractions. And it's going to hurt a horse like Improbable even with fast fractions. Because this was not a ballistic pace. This was a fast pace. Not a crazy one. Not for Santa Anita, it wasn't. And I know maybe it was a little bit of a deeper track, if you want to say, whatever. That, to me, we're making more and more excuses. I mean, I just don't know how you see this race and projecting who goes to the Classic from a running style standpoint. How you don't look at it and say, there's of the two, there's only one. It's improbable. And now, I'm not saying I want either of them. I gotta wait and see what the race looks like. But if, if the... If you think about some of these pace horses, or the potential pace scenario, you're going to have Authentic, likely. You're going to have Max. You're likely going to have a horse like Art Collector, who's not going to be that far off of it. You're likely going to have a horse like By My Standards, who doesn't want to be that far off of it. He's not not a burner by any stretch, but he didn't want to come from 100 out of it. These are all horses who share relatively similar running styles. Tom's Day Ta when he breaks alertly, and if he's good, he's going to be reasonably close. You have all these horses that have similar running styles, 
And typically, and it's something else I'm going to have to take a look at. How many horses lose their final prep and then come back and win the Classic? Typically, I want horses going in in good form. This, to me, was a tale of two two horses. Because I I feel like Improbable just keeps getting better. And I don't know that that's the case for Maximum Security. I'm sure... Everybody's gonna uh, the, the Max fans are gonna come out in full force and say you're you need to stop you're you're an idiot you're putting him in the winner's circle. If he wins the classic, I will tip my cap and say you were all right. And you know what? Everybody has an off day, and maybe this was just his off day. He will not get a dime of my money in the classic. Maximum security won't. Improbable, he might. Improbable might be the favorite now for the classic. Um, I, it just all around. I thought he was spectacular and I thought maximum security I thought it was the ugliest 101 you're ever going to see if you want to if, if you're going to side with time form us they they've upgraded him significantly because of the pay situation um, I'm not prepared to do that I I thought this was a a very lackluster performance from maximum security and I thought it was a really strong performance from improbable the good news is we still have plenty of racing leading into the classic we still have another round of final preps for some of these horses whether it's at keeneland or at belmont park or somewhere else leading into the breeders cup on the first friday and saturday of november so plenty of things can happen between now and then just my opinion doesn't make it right or wrong let me know what you think about the awesome again the two-year-old races the turf racing Need the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Last one we will discuss as far as preps for the Breeders' Cup, uh, the Vosberg from Belmont Park. I thought all around it was a really impressive performance from Forenze Fire. And it's good to know you don't want to paint with a broad brush when it comes to horses coming from barns like Jason Services or from Jorge Navarro's. It's not fair to hold accomplishments of a horse like Forenze Fire, of a horse like Maximum Security. Uh, I think of Sharp Azteca all the time because he was one of my favorites. It's not fair to hold their accomplishments against them because of who their trainers were. Uh, you can point out clear issues where I look at Sharp Azteca, and frankly, I thought he was more or less a need-to-lead type. I loved him. He was tenacious. He had that sort of will to win, kind of like a Maximum Security, but he was limited. He had, he had some limitations. Uh, maximum Security. He has that will to win. His best is still very, very good. His best is probably good enough to win the Classic. But you got to wonder where he is right now. And Forenze Fire, his best, I don't know if it's good enough to win the the Breeders' Cup Sprint, but it's it's pretty damn good. He's a really talented racehorse. I think Kelly Breen's done a good job since this one's been shifted over to him. He's had a beautiful sort of perch trip, two, three wide out in the clear, off the pace setter, share of the ride, took over. And when he was... Funny guy rolled up on the outside from the back beneath Joel. And for a moment, it looked like he was just going to blow the doors off the field. And instead, Forenzi Fire had an extra little little oomph. When he was given his cue by Lescano, he kicked away in a pretty impressive fashion. And, I, you know, I'm of the opinion that, that funny guy, this is too sharp for him. I mean, he's the kind of horse that I'd like to see him maybe in the dirt mile. I'd like to see him absolutely in the cigar mile. A one-turn mile, to me, that is funny guy's game. But I, I like that the connections gave this race a shot. He's a versatile type. He can run different distances and whatnot. Forensic Fire, though, if you believe in this effort and you think this is sort of a, a precursor of what could be, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that a 101 buyer is going to be right there in the thick of things, especially with the defection of Volatile. So that, that sprint division all of a sudden becomes a little bit more wide open. 
you know, if, if you're not going to all of a sudden look at it and say it's going to be Yalpon or it's going to be, you know, you name it, somebody else, CZ Rocket, whomever. But Forensic Fire, I thought this was a good effort all around and, and we'll find out. He's always, in the past anyway, had a difficult time stringing big efforts together consecutively. Could be for any number of reasons. Leave that to you. You know where I'm going with that. But now, now that he's under the care of Kelly Breen, maybe that's a thing of the past. Maybe we get back to, you know, or maybe we get to a point where he is totally comfortable coming right back and, and pr- producing back-to-back big efforts. Because this was really strong and really impressive. I think he can, uh, if he runs this a month from now, I think he's got a big chance in the Breeders' Cup sprint. We'll find out what we get from Forensic Fire. Again, for all of these races... Thoughts, questions, comments, whatever it may be, beneath the video player here on YouTube. Uh, let's pivot to some NFL talk. Uh, we will button up week three, and I'll do a little bit of on-the-fly live look into week four. A little football betting. Wrap things up here for episode 34. Uh, going back to this past weekend, I mean, the big loss for me was Arizona, obviously, because that killed the teaser. Uh, I had them outright. Well, I say outright, had him at six and a half. Um, That was certainly a a disappointing effort. And I probably should have known when when I made the bets last week and was talking about them. And I kept looking at the number and it kept getting shorter and shorter. I think at one point I got the five. I don't know what it went off at, but I was like, "Mm, something doesn't smell right here. So they lose. Uh, Luckily, though, the tease is still alive because Detroit only beat them by three. So coming into tonight, and again, me being an idiot, I thought last week... I thought the Chiefs-Ravens game was the Sunday night game. It's the Monday night game, so it's happening this evening. <clears throat> I have, uh, I still have a Chiefs bet out there at plus three tonight. Um, and then I also have them at plus 13 to wrap up a teaser. So that went along with the Bengals, who <laughs> tied Philly. I talked about it last week that I thought about betting them money line. I would have been livid if if I, I pushed because of a tie. Uh, incredible. Uh, the Steelers, I took them at minus four and a half. They covered that. Uh, but in this tease, they were at five and a half. The Cardinals covered at the three and a half. And then tonight, the Chiefs at plus 13. And I have the Chiefs at plus three on their own. So that's still wrapping up this week. Uh, cashed on the Bengals game again at plus seven, I believe I had that at. Uh, so that worked out okay. Lost the Cardinals game. That leads us into just, and, and I'm doing this on the fly because when I first did a pass through, I was like, I don't really love any of these numbers. Um, for those, I mean, this, this won't be out in time for you. So I'm going to talk about tonight's game and see what the updated number is for what it's worth though. It's still at three that I'm looking at. Uh, although I have it at minus minus one ten, and it's at even right now. So that kind of sucks, but whatever it is, what it is. Uh, Broncos at jets Broncos are laying three next week or excuse me. That's on Thursday night. That's a dumpster fire of a game. Uh, I have no interest at all there. Uh, Cardinals at the Panthers. The Cardinals are laying four. West Coast team going east. No McCaffrey. <clears throat> excuse me for the for the Panthers still. Cardinals. It was a weird game because I just you know I know a lot of people are like kind of dumping on the defense. I thought Kyler made a lot of just silly mistakes. I don't I don't think that's going to continue to play out. They're minus four even and minus four. Uh, if you listen to uh, Bill Simmons podcast, they call it, you know that sort of four four and a half five that Vegas zone where you know eh, something something weird going on there. Um, I do. Like, I. I think genuinely. I think the Cardinals are a. You know, I. I think they're just a better team all around than the Panthers are. I still think. I still believe in Arizona. I think they're quite good. I just thought this was kind of a dud effort on Sunday. 
The question now is, are they factoring in sort of the, the home field? Like I talked about last week, is three points still a thing? Because that to me would make more sense if you had the Cardinals closer to seven. You have them at four on the road. If that is including the three for home field, sure. If it's not, you know, or let's say it's closer to one and a half. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I'm, try- I'm probably going to talk myself into that by the time we're done here. Uh, move on to the Browns and the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys at home, minus four and a half. That's at minus 115. I, mm, I, I, don't think the, I don't think either of those teams are really terrible. I really don't. Um, but I don't have enough confidence in either of them to make a call one way or the other on four and a half. I could see that going either way. Um, so that's probably one I stay away from. The Colts and the Bears. The Bears unequivocally are the worst 3-0 team, I think, in the past 10 years. Um, they're, they're catching three at home. Minus 130. The Colts, though. Colts minus three on the road, plus 110. Now, I don't trust Phillip Rivers either. But I think the Colts, that's an interesting number, especially at that price. That's even one, too, if I look at it. If I bought a half point, what does that even move it to? By a hand, oh, see, it moves it tr- pretty dramatically. It brings it down to minus 135. That's not nearly as interesting. Well, anyway, a field goal, you know, laying the field goal is never a, a fun feeling, but that's one that's mildly interesting. Jags at Bengals. Bengals minus three, and they're taking some taking some money too because they're moved at minus 120 here for that. Like, I like the Bengals. I don't know that they should be a three point favorite right now against anyone. I think, I think Burrow's the goods. Talked about that before. The Jags, a uh, bit of an egg this week. I don't think they're any good, but they've got that sort of, they've got that kind of fight in them that could be just enough of a pain in the rear end. Plus three, even. Not terrible. Chargers at Bucks. Chargers are catching seven and a half. Now that that's up over a touchdown, that's interesting a little bit. The Bucks seem to be slowly putting it together. You know, Brady's not the Brady that we got to know up here. He's clearly in the twilight here, but... Touchdown on the road, touchdown and a half. Touchdown and a hook, not not, not the worst. Uh, Vikings plus four against the Texans. I think both of those teams suck. I don't think either of them are particularly good. Houston is probably better of the two, but again, at four, I don't I don't know that I love that number. Lions are plus four at home against the Saints. Minus 110 either way. A lot of people jumping ship on the Saints after this past week. I mean, they still put up 30 points. It's not like it was a terrible effort. Uh, that's a still kind of a tricky one. Steelers minus one and a half on the road against the Titans. The Titans are catching a point and a hook at home. I don't think the Titans. Oh boy, money line. You're getting you're getting plus 105 on the Titans at home. Straight up. I mean, I don't I don't particularly love the Titans. I don't think they have a hell of a lot as far as offense goes outside of Henry. A.J. Brown, I think, is still dinged up. I do like Jonu Smith. I think Jonu Smith is the truth. I think he's the new Delaney Walker. Uh, I have him on my one of my fantasy teams. Done quite well. Uh, Dolphins home, catching seven against the Seahawks. I mean, uh, it's another number I don't like. The Giants plus 13 against the Rams. Going on the road to the Rams. That's wild. I mean, it's a huge number, but I could see the Rams covering that. 
Bills minus three on the road against the Raiders. The Raiders are catching three at home, and they're plus 135. I mean, Buffalo, no questions about it. And I guess it depends on what you think of the Rams. Buffalo should have lost yesterday at home. Now they have to go to Vegas, who got punched in the mouth up here in New England. Mm. That one, I guess, is a little bit interesting. Uh, the Pats on the road against the Chiefs, they're catching seven. I, you know, I like New England this year. I guess tonight will go a long way. See what the Chiefs look like in Baltimore, because I think New England's good. I don't know that they're like top two or three in the, in the AFC good. I think they're probably they're a, they're a playoff team, but I don't know. It's still too early to really say. Eagles plus six and a half against the Niners. I mean, I made it clear. I think the Eagles stink, but the Niners. It's like. Ugh. Like a hospital ward out there. I don't know who. I don't even know who's. Playing. I mean, Nick Mullins. They're on like their practice squad running back. I have no idea what to do there. Falcons plus seven and a half on the road against the Packers. The Falcons couldn't stop. I mean, they they can't stop running water right now. But they score a ton of points. Look at that over under fifty eight. I know I just ran down the entire board. I don't have a ton of strong opinions. Somebody help me. I'm probably gonna end up with the Cardinals again. I'm probably gonna end up with the Cardinals again minus four. I'll have to tweet these out later in the week just simply because I, I, I'm not ready to make any moves just now. I guess the Colts minus three when you're getting plus 110 odds. That's mildly intriguing. Tough week. A lot, a lot of funny numbers out there. And you know what the best the best move, if you don't know? Same with the horses. If you don't have a strong opinion, don't play. Sit it out. Don't be telling you you have to play. I'll come back. I'll tweet some stuff out if I end up making any plays. But right now, a lot of we'll see about tonight's game. I mean, if the Chiefs come out and look great, hopefully that number will float up a little bit, and then maybe I could be enticed into the Pats. You know, in that sort of eight range. But we'll wait and see. Should be a good one tonight, and hopefully, uh, hopefully at the very least, they cover the three and certainly the thirteen, as far as the tease is concerned. So. Anyway, again, let me know. Thoughts beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. That's going to do it for episode 34. I have to go get a COVID test. Uh, again, I headed off to Keeneland, uh, all sorts of stuff. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, NBC, NBCSN, TVG. You can check us out down there. This show will be next Monday with no video. No video. Audio only, but you can still find it on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Make sure the bell icon is lit up. That way, anytime anything new is uploaded to the In The Money podcast page, you will get a notification to go on over and check it out, whether it's this show, whether it's the Racing Picks Players podcast, whether it's Horse Players Happy Hour. Those are all over there. If you're on uh, Apple Podcasts or however else you listen to them, please rate, review, and subscribe. It means a great deal to all of us. Follow me on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Uh, good luck this week. I'll be back on Monday from Lexington, Kentucky. Until then, this has been episode 34 of the Matt Bernier Show. Good luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play.